Welcome to Two Truths and a Lie. I'm your host, Lily Pluniak, and I want to invite you to a conversation with my friends and I about fighting for faith as Christians in today's world. Join us as we talk about life, the highs and lows, and what it looks like to practically stand on guard against the lies of the world while holding fast to the gospel and the promises of God. I'm so glad you're here. Welcome to another episode of Two Truths and a Lie. I'm here with my friend, Mel. Hi, Mel. Hi, You're Pal. here. Thanks, Pal. Thank you for coming. So, last minute, we kind of planned this this week, but you're here. Yeah, like a couple days ago. Yeah, and you're here. Yep. Tell me about yourself. Hinder. Who are you? <clears throat> my name is Mel. I'm 17, and Lily and I have been going to the same school for two years. Mm-hmm. Um, and I've been following Jesus for nine months. Yeah. Yeehaw. Nine beautiful months. Nine epic months. What do you like to do? What are some of your interests? Um, some things that some people might know about me in, I guess I won't say the, um, town that we live in, but in the town that we live in. You can in, say it. People oh. know. <clears throat> I am the youth poet laureate of Knoxville. Which Yay. basically means, <laughs> which basically means like I'm like Amanda Gorman, but a little bit less Did savvy. Did you say Mandalorian? No, Amanda Gorman. <laughs> Amanda Gorman, the hill we climb. Do you know who that is? I have no idea who that All is. All right, that's okay. No worries. <laughs> no hard feelings. I'm just a little bit hurt. I thought you said Mandalorian. I was like Star Wars. <laughs> no, she's the one who sang at Biden's inauguration. Oh. Yes, that poet. Yes. So she's the national youth poet laureate. I'm the youth poet laureate of Knoxville. So it's like, I'm like, I use her for reference because I just think that she's really cool. So like, she's the big youth poet laureate for the United States and I'm the youth poet laureate just for Knoxville. So I've spoken at the State of the City address. I am publishing a book in the spring, hopefully, and I sold a book um, last summer. And um, I'm also a middle school volleyball coach. Love my little kids, they're my faves. Um, And I've been a coach for about three years, I think, and then I also, um, I don't know, what else? Your comedy improv? Oh, true, I'm on the comedy improv team, what what, it's the coolest, <laughs> and it's the most fun ever. I love it. Oh, and Lily and I are in the same art class. We are. Yeehaw, AP art. all year. Yeah, it's Semester really Semester two, awesome. we started today. I know. Second day of... Many months. I know, I know, and it's, I'm gonna, it's gonna feel <laughs> like many scared, months. We're both scared, but it'll it's be It's okay. gonna feel like a lot of months, too. Uh, None of it is gonna go by quickly, but it's okay. Something about Mel. She is the jack of all trades and master of all. Thanks, pal. She literally does it all. Thanks, I, dude. I mean, you work at a... Kids museum. How would you museum. explain where you work? Uh, I work at a kids museum. Can I say it? Can I give yeah. us a shout out? <clears throat> I work at Muse Knoxville. It's a really special place. Um, It's a kids museum right next to the Knoxville Zoo, and not a lot of people would know that it's there. And, um, it, usually when people think about museums, they'll just be like, oh, like, I just walk around and I don't touch anything, but it's, like, the total opposite. I think we totally walk the line of, like, being, like, uh, like a playground and a museum at the same time. And so Mm -hmm. it's, like, kids walk around and I get to teach them about planets and, like, art and gardening and 
like leading camps and hosting parties and running planetarium shows. It's like my favorite thing ever. Um, really, really working with kids is what I really like to do um, because I feel like I am still like a kid. 10. Yeah. We sort of are, except your birthday was last week. So now you I'm can an get adult. a tattoo. And legally adopt a monkey and (laughs) (laughs) get a lottery ticket. Oh, true. Go to Cotton Eye Joe. uh Uh-huh. And adopt somebody. True. Which is, like, way too young. Get a child. (laughs) Yeah, I could just have a child right now. Um, What else? I don't know. There's probably a lot. Vote. Vote. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) That might be important. That thing. That might be more important than adopting (laughs) a monkey. I don't know Your why. I don't know why somebody deems like an eighteen year old worthy ready enough to for... have a monkey. Yeah, I feel like if you're gonna get one, just get one at any like. I feel any like age. anyone would get one at any time. I if know. you're getting a monkey, be like, no, you're seventeen. Yeah, you're not get out of here. To. Yeah, police. You better scan to daddle. Mel, I was trying to think. Do you remember the first time we met each other? Because I kind of. I was actually it. talking to uh, your mom about it downstairs. I was gonna use it for my two truths and lie, but I think you already knew. I was like, the first time that I met Lily Puniak, I hated her. Oh, true. <laughs> I actually Sorry. didn't know that until a couple weeks ago or a couple months ago, and I was Sorry. like, oh, Overshare. wonderful. <laughs> You're like, I hated you. Now I love I'm you. Sorry. Yeah, I know. It's like the best. The best. Um, what is it? Like uh, a reframing, opposite, like yeah. transformation. Uh-huh. It's like the best paradox Frenemies. ever is being like, I hated you and now I love you because of, like, I hated you because of one thing and I hate you and I love you for the same. <laughs> you know what I mean? How worlds change. I know. Well, I remember the first time I met you, I thought you were way older. When I was a sophomore, oh. I thought you were a senior. I get that you just, all the time, you obviously. You were so mature and you just presented yourself. I was like, oh, she's old. Like, hi. Well, and I think your hair was short. No, it was actually really long when yes, I met you. Yes, it was like freakishly long. And then you cut it. And I was telling your mom, because we were downstairs, and she was like, why'd you hate Lily? And I was like, she was just so happy all the time. And I was like, dude, get a grip. It's like, the world is a dark place and it's hard. Punch me. Yeah, <laughs> literally. I was like, you just don't know what it's like to be kicked down yet and somebody's got to humble you yeah and now i'm like geez like i want i want everything that you have it's just so sweet oh thank you no problem well with that i want to know three things about you i didn't know before so hit me with your two for everybody listening you might want to turn down your sound because it's about to get a little loud and a lie okay <laughs> Okay, <laughs> if you remember them. Okay, guys, I've been practicing. a little inside info. Mel has spent the last hour, 30 oh, I minutes. I going to say that I have memory loss, trying, which is also well, true. True, but she's had to take a really long time to get hers, so they better be good. Stop. If not, I'm blaming my mom because my mom helped her. Okay, wait. Let me just line them all up in my brain real fast. Mm, okay. They're there. One time in kindergarten... I got sent home early because I broke a pencil in half and then I threw it at my teacher. (laughs) And then once freshman year, I screamed the word cereal across the entire (laughs) auditorium at Dr. B. Um, And I am freakishly afraid of feeding cows. (laughs) (laughs) Which one? I really thought that you knew everything about me. I had to pull those, like, out of, like, the deep, the deep, deep ends of my heart vessels. Those are the most specific things I've ever seen. <laughs> okay, pencil. Yeah. Cereal cow. Yep. Yeah. Uh, okay. How old were you? 
for the pencil one. Are you allowed to ask follow-up questions? Well, you said it in your... Th- didn't you say... In- I was in kindergarten. Kin- so, you, do you know you were in kindergarten, or are you yeah, making I, that Yeah, I for up? sure was in kindergarten. Okay. Mm, Tess, do you want to help me? No, Tess can't help no, you. I'm good, I'm good. Okay. <laughs> I know. Good. Yeah, Tess and I, Tess picked sides. Cereal. And today she picked mine. No, I feel like you like cows. I Is feel like I've seen... Final a, answer? I feel like I've seen a photo of you feeding a cow. <laughs> I feel like you have. <laughs> but... Wrong. <laughs> no, I didn't, I didn't say it yet. <laughs> I asked that in the answer. I did it. <laughs> Wrong. It must be the cereal. Wrong. <laughs> it's a pencil one? Yeah. Why I did you come up with that? How did you just come up with that? I ran downstairs. That's why I ran before we started this podcast because I, I forgot Did my it. mom make it yeah. up? Yeah, she helped me make it up. I first was going to say I threw a crab leg at my teacher, but I think that would be like really distinguishable. Yeah. <laughs> so I was going to say well, that. Well, it was so specific. You did tell me it was going to be specific, though. Duh. Spe- what did I, I used to say as a kid? Through. I used to say, like, Pacific. So Pacific. so Pacific. <laughs> Pacific I think it's Ocean. I feel like it's a universal experience. I have a Pacific question for you. Okay, explain the cereal one first, because okay. that's just This weird. is, like, really <laughs> embarrassing, but freshman year, it was Dr. B's first year, our principal, and um, we had this really serious auditorium visit, and I guess I just, like, didn't really get the memo that it was serious, and... Um, and I'm not, like, a, I'm actually a really big rule follower. I like to put my put that label on myself. Like, I like to be funny, but I follow the rules, like, viciously. And so he was inviting us all in, and I think he was trying to do, like, a team, like, a group bonding thing. So every time he calls us into the auditorium, he's like, clap once if you can hear me, clap twice if you can hear me, clap three times. And then he was like, do this and do that and whatever. And then randomly he was like, okay, on three, everybody say And, like, I just didn't like as soon as that happened it just muffled in my head like I just was like automatically thinking about what I wanted to what my word was gonna be and so I came up with the word cereal and before he can even get to three I'm so excited to say my word like I'm so excited like I just feel it rushing out of my bones and I was like I want everybody to know that whoever said cereal was me and so he goes like one two and I'm like cereal cereal from all the way across the auditorium like not even like like we weren't did I, you I, like, stand up or were you sitting i was down sitting down but I, okay. and then at, on three everybody else says no at the same time which is what he asked us to say and i literally like felt like my legs were like gelatin afterwards and i fell like i like hid underneath the seat and then he was like laughing and he like pointed to me and he was like what did you say and i was like apologizing like hyperventilating i was like i'm so sorry like i didn't mean to say that like i didn't mean to say it but i didn't call you that... out in front of everybody yeah like yeah and he was like laughing but i was freaking out like i was so scared of this guy and he was like he was like what's your favorite type of cereal and i was like i'm so sorry i'm really nervous <laughs> milk <laughs> and then like claire is sitting next to me and she's like uh, Cheerios, 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 Cheerio, Cheerio, nuts, Cheerio, <laughs> nut, lunch. almonds, oat, oat milk, <laughs> feeding cows, and like, and then like he like totally played it off and like tried to diverge it, but I like, was freaking out, like I like really like I like could not sleep probably for the next week because I was. I so love how it just that. went in your head that. Oh yeah, he and I was just like, that. it's gonna be so wholesome because it's like PG and like whatever, yeah. and like it was just not that at all. Hmm. And then cows, you, I I'm guess, like, hate them. I'm, like, horrified of feeding. I like cows. They're fine. But 
they have really, really long tongues. And whenever mm. you feed them, their tongues wrap around. Ugh, I just like, <laughs> ugh, ugh. I can it's see so, it coming it's out. It's so gross. Eat more chicken. It just makes me really just want to just, oh my goodness. It, yeah. Oh okay. my gosh. It feels like wearing like wet socks or something, thinking about it. I think for your next birthday, I'm going to take some cereal and take you to I think you were going to say, I you were gonna say <laughs> wet my socks. <laughs> I was like, what? <laughs> I'm going to sneak into your house and wet your socks. No. Okay, tell me your three. Okay, mine are not very Pacific specific, <laughs> but I think they're going to trick you up a little bit. Mess right. you up. Okay, first one. I physically cannot drink out of a straw. True. Keep <laughs> going. <laughs> Um, I've had my eyelashes permed twice. True. And my left foot is a half size or bigger, wait, a half size bigger than my right. Okay, actually, I think the first one's false. The straw one? Yeah, I totally feel like you've drank out of a straw before. Like, I really Have do. you seen it, though? <laughs> With your own eyes? I mean, it's like, it's like those people who are like, birds aren't real, and then they're like, have you ever seen a baby <laughs> pigeon before? Like, have you ever seen Lily Pluniak drink out of a straw? No, I haven't, but I believe that if you have an Einstein's cup with a straw in it, that you've drank out of it. That's very realistic. Um, but what was the third? true? What? <laughs> what was the third one? My left foot is a half size bigger okay, than my is, right. Is it that one? I don't know. You tell me. Boy, I have a 50... I'm pretty sure it's the third one, because I permed your lashes the first time, and then you told me, like, you permed it the second time. Uh-huh. So it's the third one. So the foot or the straw? Wait, you didn't even tell me that... I thought you told me that the, the straw one was false. I'm, I'm not saying anything. Okay. Um. um straw <clears throat> or foot? Um. You can just make a wild guess. Just think. I totally think it's the straw one. Okay. You're right. Yes! <laughs> what in the world? Okay, I literally got, like, clickbaited. I swore you told me I was the drinking straw a straw before you came in here, and I was like, I better throw that away. <laughs> I told... That was, like, a really, really... That's really funny, though. But my left foot is seriously much bigger than my right. Let me analyze. Wow! I'm currently showing her. How did that happen? Don't know. Did you put, did you keep it in water for too long? No. <laughs> Just how I was made, I guess. Mine are the same size. That makes you feel jealous. Okay, we have a little guest who wants to give us some truths and lies. Yes! My very own sister, Teresa Tess Pluniak. Teresa? What? Tell me something I don't know. No, you can't. You can't go. Because you know everything about me. So yeah. Okay. And Tess, and Tess, Okay, like, take my seat so secret. you can be close to the mic. Okay. So, my first... Thing is that I have been to New York twice. True. I love milk. False. I skipped third grade. I think that you hate milk. How but did you get Yeah! <laughs> oh my what? goodness, I'm a walking lie detector, y'all. Yeah. Okay, well, I feel like I've quick. seen, like, your family, so your family, um, you just pictures in New see. York, I think. Yeah. And then I, technically, well, I've been twice, but I wasn't born yet. But I, I she was, was in my there. mother's womb. <laughs> That's really funny. But I was there. So. But she was there. She was there. She experienced it. She had she, some mems. She felt the air. Yeah. <laughs> um, you skipped she, third grade. Yeah. Congratulations. We're skippers in this household. We Did all, you skip? We got held back and then we skipped. <laughs> okay. Well, PEMDAS even out. PEMDAS cancels it out. Well, I, I did skipped skip. and then I got held back. Mm-hmm. Just, just. Flex. She skipped because she was homeschooled one year. I love milk, and too. And 
then she got milk back. So it kind of. You don't like milk? Milk is like gross. It's so delicious. I like don't whenever like I'm having, like my pediatrician the other day, I had like my checkup and he was like, "How often do you drink milk?" And I was like, "Oh, you just wait." I was like, "Whenever I'm happy, <laughs> milk. Whenever I'm sad, milk. Whenever I'm crying, milk. In the middle of the night, really, That's why really you got parched." Bones. Oh you know? yeah, milk. Protein. I've never broken a bone. Oh, it's all because of that milk. <laughs> drink milk. I know. Oh, <laughs> Eat more chicken yeah, and drink more I, milk. I'm lactose intolerant, so really, uh, yes and no. Okay, my other one, my almost, my almost other truth was gonna be that I'm allergic to fake cheese, but I feel like you already knew that, right? To like slimy in like the little plastic. Ma- yes. Yes. You're allergic. Like, like, yes. Death, like, one time before my 10th birthday, I, like, was, like, oh, I'm just gonna celebrate. Popped two bowls of Easy Mac, minion-shaped, in the microwave. Downed both of them in the middle of the night. Felt like I was going to explode. But not, like, explode like you can fix this. I just need to run to the bathroom. Like, explode like, it, this is gonna kill me. Like, whatever this is, what is bigger do? than What did you do? EpiPen or... I didn't have an epipen because I'm not allergic to anything. So I just was, I just, I think I got up and I almost passed out and then they called an ambulance. For real? Yeah. Like I had this big, these ambulance people like running up to my room, like wheeling me into the, um, the ambulance, all these paramedics and they're sticking needles in me, blah, blah, blah. And then they're asking me questions and I'm like, oh, it's my birthday and I like easy mac, easy mac. <laughs> not so easy on me yeah. <laughs> not so easy mac difficult mac difficult. <laughs> on the rappers like, beware beware how to process <laughs> i like i like it was minion shaped too and i was like so excited out to get you it man. was before my 10th birthday i was like double digits y'all y'all better roll up and oh i literally downed both of them in the middle of the night like i just was and i like you look back at like old experiences and you're like, I was overreacting. I was not overreacting. You I was were... not being dramatic. I literally felt like I was going to die. I can still feel the Have pain in my ha- little belly. Have you tried it since then? No. Velveeta? No. Easy Mac? <laughs> no. <laughs> I've eaten cheese before, but even that like fake cheese that comes out of can, like whipped cream, uh-huh. I'm just so fr- afraid. Like, like the this yeah, spray cheese yeah. stuff. Like I'm That's so I'm so scared. Oh. I'm so scared. Well, be careful. Beware. So I guess I have a mega fear of also cheese. cheese. <laughs> Feeding cows and cheese. In your nightmares. It's like a block of cheese. Yeah. Cheese. yeah. <laughs> True. Okay, well, Mo, tell me mm-hmm. about your story. Just, who are you? I love my what story. What have you done? Um, well, like I said, I've only been following Jesus for like nine months, but it's been nine epic months. Um, I met Lily Pluniak in the start of junior year. I think, right? And we're both seniors now, so mm-hmm. this is sort of junior year. And um, I really didn't like you because you loved Jesus, and I really was irked by that. And I was raised anti-religious um, in a house that was pretty abusive, and I was just taught a lot of stuff that was kind of like... And it wasn't even like... I don't know. I it was It wasn't even like, you know, like you grow up and then you hear stories that are like magical this and that and then you know that they're not real and I think that's like just the whole way that I thought about God too and I was like well I'm and it wasn't like a groundbreaking like I'm so sad that this isn't real I was just like this is just the way that it is and it's the default and people who are crazy about it are just crazy because they are believing in something that's not true and so um and then also like being raised in that house where all like it was like a house on fire and then I was going to school with a culture that's very Christian, I think. I think we have a very Christian culture where we live. And um, and then we had a lot of um, people who, like, 
were my age and they looked like me and then they were like Jesus loves me and he loves you too um Christian culture and the people who like were my age and they all looked like me were like Jesus loves me and he loves you too and I was like easy for you guys to say but like you guys are going home and you're gonna eat dinner and I have to fight for my like privilege sheet lunch so it's like we're not we're not the same at all and I think I like also grew up I'm Chinese and Iranian so I kind of grew up blaming it on like cultural differences I was like our family just like looks different so the way that my family behaves and their dynamics and what we value and what we don't value is going to be very different because we aren't this like we don't look the same as everybody else and that like as a result kind of ended up in me masking what I was going through um and like the abuse that I was going through a lot of the times that were like in really big attempts to like kill me were normal and I just assumed that my family had just gone through things differently or my mom was pretty strict on me about my academics and I think it's it's very healthy to have parents who care about it but to the point where it's like I can't like I get something taken away from me I have like vivid memories of me not being like given water or anything and then I like drank like a whole pint or two pints of like heavy creamer from the fridge just because I was so thirsty and I and I think about those moments and I'm like I think that they're normal or I think like everybody has like really weird moments from their two truths and a lie that are like that um are like oh my goodness this is so funny but when you think about it, it's like this is really sad like I wasn't given the fundamentals that I needed to thrive and as a result it totally ruined my um viewpoint on who God is because other people were telling me things about him and telling me things that were true like Jesus did love them and they and he did love me at that time but I think I was so blindsided by a family um dynamic that was so dark and a family history that was so dark and generational trauma that was really 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 hard to get out of that it really 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 led me away from him so um I hated Christians with uh, like a a lot of a lot of vertebrae in my spine (laughs) like I really didn't like them so like I already said I hated Lily Pluniak when I met her a lot of people who I met um and I'm friends with now and we've bonded over our love for Jesus I've hated them when I first met them because they loved him so much and I was like you have to have a wake-up call um because what you're believing in is a total lie and I was like why would he be so kind to you and put you in this house where you are given all of these things and your biggest stressor is what you're gonna have to wear to school the next day and whatever and like I don't even know if I'm gonna make it out alive by the time I can like be mature enough to stand by myself so um yeah I hated Christians um I hated God and um it totally flipped in April don't we get into it? Yeah, go for it. Um, <clears throat> so in April, I have this one friend who's one of my best friends, if not my, my greatest pal that I ever have. Um, her name's Abby, and she goes by Abigail, actually, so. Her name's Abigail. Um, and, <laughs> well, she, her name is Abigail, but she goes by that, and I used to call her Abby, but. Anyways, <clears throat> all that aside, um, Abigail and I started our job on the first day at Muse, 
And um, she was doing all this stuff with digital marketing and I was there. It was like my first job and I was like trying to like work to um, just get a summer job really. And I was 16, which is like the minimum age that you needed to work there. And we started our training on the same, on the first day and she loved Jesus. And sure enough, I really did not like her because she loved Jesus. And, um, but there was just something different about her. And I know that's so cliche, but it's like being raised, like I was like afraid of women and like being raised thinking that people feel like obligated to spend time with you or people feel like you're bothering them or like spending so much time getting out of that house like you learn to read the body language of other people and you're like I can tell that these people are uncomfortable or I make up scenarios in my head that's like I'm just really like bothering these people and they don't need me here um but Abby was different and she really like she loved Jesus a lot and I made it clear to her actually one of the first times we hung out and she says that she doesn't remember me being this firm but I remember me being this firm (laughs) and I like really looked at her and I was like listen I'm atheist, I will always be atheist, and I don't really want to go to church with you ever, and I don't feel like being converted. And she was like, okay, do you want to go get bagels? And I was like, (laughs) what? I was like, that's not how Christians are supposed to be. Like, that's not what, I was like, Christians are supposed to, you're just supposed to go to church and you're supposed to wear your button up with your college gear and, and sing and then be judgmental and not want to have anything to do with me because I told you that I was atheist. And, um... She totally, like, opened up her arms for me, but she also did it in a way that was so respectful because I made it clear that I didn't want to have anything to do with what she thought the whole fundamentals were of her life was about. Like, I, and even now, like, following God, it's really hard for me to hear somebody be like, no, like, I totally dismiss everything that you believe and I believe that it's all a lie and whatever. Um... So I really respect for her for making that, like, gentle decision to still be friends with me. Um, and she would invite me out to bagels and never mention the Bible, never mention going to church ever. And um, at some point, she wrote me a letter, and she actually read it in your in your driveway. We were in your driveway here. I don't even remember. I think I just really wanted her to meet your mom, and we were sitting in the driveway, and we were both, like, sobbing. And she wrote me a letter that was like, Mel, I would love you to death the same that I do now, even if you didn't love Jesus. And I would like, I would drive with you everywhere and get all the bagels and love sharks. (laughs) And even if you didn't love him and even if you didn't know him, like I would love you the same. And I was like, whoa. And so um, it's just so, it's just something that I can't wrap my head around. Um, Being in a, like in a kind of love like that is just something that I've never seen before, especially by somebody who was older than me and somebody who was, like, female, which is, like, weird, but it's, like, I just, like, even sometimes now I, like, catch myself being, like, oh, this mom is gonna judge me this way or whatever, and then I'm, like, we're the same, like, we're the same gender, like, why would I, like, not discriminate, but why would I have a specific bias against this one person because they, because of what I've been through and I'm taking, like, a marginalized, um, experience and using it to, kind of have a bias against everybody else but anyway so um really really special thing happened when we um went up to the college that Abby graduated from and um it's about like an hour and a half away from where we are now and um uh a couple of I want to say weeks before but I think it was a 
Oh, actually, no. It was a couple of months. Um, we went in April, and I think there was an accident in September um, that included a drunk driver hitting a couple of runners on the team, and um, one of them passed, and another one um, who made it was one of Abigail's best friends, and so she, yeah, we, we, I had already heard stories about him before the accident happened, and um, she uh, told me when we went to go visit this college, which was a Christian college, and I, and I was still angsty, like, I don't want to go to a Christian college, whatever, but I needed to visit a college, and I was like, what better way to visit a college than if, like, Abby has already gone to this college, and she has already had experience giving tours of it, and we can, and I can just pretend like it's, like, a fun day out, and I don't even have to look at it as a college visit, um, and she and I went out, and, um, the, the campus was beautiful, honestly, I didn't really think anything of it, but, um, we, uh, had the opportunity to go eat lunch with this person who survived this car accident, like, miraculously, and, um, we, uh, she offered to take us to church beforehand, before we went to lunch, there was, like, this service that was happening at, like, six o'clock, and, um, I didn't want to go, I remember not wanting to go, but she was so excited about it, and I was like, this day has just been fine, like, it's been fun, so let's just go, so I went in, and it was a charismatic church, and I just remember being blown away, like, we were sitting in the stands, kind of towards the front, and I remember, like, in the middle of the worship, I would just turn around, and people who looked like what I never would have assumed Christians looked like, ever, were on their knees, like, praising and worshiping, like, the girl next to me had, like, split dye, green and black hair, and huge gauges in her ears, and tattoos everywhere, and I was like, what? You're not supposed to be a Christian? I was like, you guys are supposed, you guys are supposed to hate each other, what in the world? And, um, people who are just so, like, really, really pouring their hearts out for God, and hungry for Him, um, in that church, and you could feel it, and I really felt it, and, um, while we're sitting there in that row, Abby's friend, his name is Alex. Alex is looking at us when we're when we're worshiping. So he'll worship and then occasionally he'll turn around and he'll look at us and he'll make eye contact with me. And then he'll worship and he'll turn and make eye contact with me. And I was like, this is so odd. I was like, this guy, like I was like, part of me like doesn't even want to be here and like I don't even know if I wanted to even go eat lunch with this guy and whatever and I don't know why he keeps looking at me like and I thought that it was just like he was just upset that I wasn't worshiping (laughs) and um and finally we go eat lunch and or we go eat dinner and he doesn't even mention anything about it and finally like after we eat dinner we're sitting around a campfire and he looks at me dead in the eye like right in the eye and he and he's like I just wanted to let you know I feel like you get nightmares sometimes. And I was like, what? I was like, I, what? And I was like, I mean, I, I do. Like, I was diagnosed with PTSD um, a couple of years after I ran away from my mother's house. And I was like, I get, like, nightmares is actually a really big part of what I had been fighting at the time. And I was like, I got sleep paralysis, like, s- seven or eight times each morning. Um, and it was really, really hard. It's just, like, really frustrating, and I had nightmares about leaving the house and, like, really random things that were happening, um, but I still wasn't, like, oh my goodness, Jesus is real as soon as he said that. 
Um, and I was just like, what? Like, what? This guy's really kind of freaking me out. <laughs> like, Staring me in the head. I know. And telling me a lot of stuff about me. And then like, and then I was like, yeah, I, I do sometimes. And he was like, I just feel like I need to let you know that the enemy has tried to kill you and I feel like you have had a staff of authority in your life who's used it wrongfully against you and it was like in that moment it was like I always assumed that like being a Christian and and if there was a God or whatever is what I would say to myself if there was a God being a Christian would be like like seeing the whole world and like extra saturation and like lasers shooting out of your eyeballs and like having these superpower feelings and having this intuition, like being able to hear direct words from God and so and in something that was never even ever heard by anybody else who doesn't believe in him. But like being like standing in front of him, it was like there was a coin that was spinning in my stomach for years. And then finally, when he said that, it like just chose a side and it stayed and it landed. And I was like, oh my goodness, like this is real. Like it's, it's real stuff. And, um, and it just clicks with me. And, um, yeah, I, I talked about it and it wasn't even like the, when we were talking, it wasn't even like I was telling my story. It was like, I was telling him my story and he was filling in the gaps that I was going to say. Um, and I mean, even at first, after he told me that I kind of looked around and I was kind of a little bit angry because I thought that, um, my story had been shared in an, in an attempt to like convert me or like people were going to be like, Oh, if you tell her this, then she'll think that it's God. And then she'll come to church with us. But the way that everybody reacted and the way that like, he was even kind of a little bit unsure if he got it right or not was like, no, this guy's serious. Like he just, he is just like me in a sense that's like, Oh, I don't know if I should say this yet. Or like, and somebody else saying like, like holding in, you know, like when you hold in like something mm-hmm. that you really want to say and then you finally say it and it's kind of like in the in the air. It's it was like exactly like that. Mm-hmm. And um and we went home and Abby was driving me home and I fell asleep in the car and that was the first time that I've ever fallen asleep in a car before I was sitting in a passenger seat. Um and I mean like I've rested my eyes but I've never like fallen asleep and I woke up and I was like I just fell asleep in the car and I was 17. Um and I really felt like the Lord let me rest in that moment. Um, Mm. And I just kept waking up and I was like, I love Jesus. I love Jesus so much. Mm. And I was like, I can't believe any of this is happening to me. I felt like it was just all a dream. And I remember specifically like Abby and I were driving home and I remember like just waiting for her to pull over and like make me walk or like pull over and tell me that it's like all a joke or like find like start crying and confess to me that she actually told him all of these things and that it wasn't true or that um I don't know I was just expecting her to kind of tell me that everything was a lie and like being a kid and like having your I think like learned helplessness is one of the hardest things to go through like being a kid and getting your hopes raised for like different women or getting your hopes up for um like a healthy kind of love again and again and again and then having all of those knocked over it really does something to you and it really really puts you in a place that's like I'm not lovable at all 
or it puts you in a place that's like all women are bad um and so I I just remember sitting in the car and I was really like I was like don't get your hopes up because she's gonna pull over and she's gonna tell you to walk home or she's gonna drop you off and tell you that it was just not true and that she's just playing a joke and that she wanted to mess with me but none of that happened and she just let me sleep um and I remember asking her questions I was like I remember clearly I was like if God is real why did he put me in that house and she was like I don't know for sure if he was the one who put you in the house but I know that he was the one who got you out of it Mm. and it was just like there's something really special in not knowing the way that God works and not being totally like and I think that it's intentional and I think that it's really special to not know the complete um process of how God does what he wants to do and it's just like I'm just gonna let him do it because I don't know what's going on Mm -hmm. um so like with with um like the religion or with God to back up my experiences or not you'll go crazy trying to figure out why any of these things happened to me or why I went through this or like unpeeling the layers of like even like the demonic things that just happened in my house I thought that my house was haunted when I was little um and I thought that I was seeing ghosts every night and I had sleep paralysis and whatever even like all of those little things and peeling back the um the layers of what it means to like grow up in a house like that and in generations like that um would is really 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 hard to do and I think you'll really really go um in circles and you'll put you'll point a lot of fingers and you'll um blame yourself if you're in situations like that that are like why did this happen to me and why did this happen to not only me but why did this happen to my parents why did this happen to my cousins why did this happen to all of my friends who all like have had really really hard tragedies that are left so open-ended that are like how could you do this god why would this happen um and i think it's been really difficult to be like i don't know anything that's going on but i'm just gonna let it i'm gonna let it play out the way that he wants to play it out um so it's not really what you would think success is like like following god and also like i think at the end of the story everybody's like what like the hero forgives a bad guy like that's not how it's supposed to be like it's supposed to be like the bad guy like lives in shame for the rest of their life and the hero goes and does all these awesome things which is what i was doing but i also had this huge um amount of discernment that was like imagine being my mother walking into a coffee shop telling them your name and then having your heart sink imagining if any of them recognized it from any of the speeches that I gave Mm. and I was like I don't have any power over what her life is supposed to be like and it's been really difficult saying like the whole time that I was in her house she made it very clear and there were times where she absolutely was like I love you I'm proud of you but they're not really the ones that stick and the hard moments that I went through were really bizarrely abusive and and detrimental and destructive and dangerous um and so um the same way that I was like I shouldn't have any power over this person at all um 
because I was out preaching, like, my mom doesn't have any power over me, she can't decide what I want to do, whatever, but I was out giving speeches, sharing intimate details about her life and what she went through, and um, what she put me through that put me at an advantage and kind of shaped and manipulated audiences' minds to think a certain way about my mother, and it's like, I think growing up, I was always like, honor your mother and father, well, like, easy for somebody else to say when they have parents who love them, but um, I think there's a way to be able to honor them while also keeping a distance. I haven't Mm. seen my mother talk to her in almost four years. Um, She doesn't really want my 18th birthday was a couple of days ago and I just remember kind of being a little bit gutted because I was like man like she she didn't message me and I was like I would have been sad if she messaged me and I would have been sad if she didn't message me um but having that amount of like weight that's like I have a parent that's not in my life anymore and I have a parent who's not going to meet my children and they're not going to have anything to do with my children and I had a parent who is mentally like ill enough to for it to be dangerous, um, so it's been really hard, but it's also been really redeeming, and saying, like, my mother made a lot of actions that, um, proved that she didn't want me in her life, so I'm gonna honor that, and I'm kind of just gonna step out, and I'm gonna let her be her own person, and I'm gonna move in the direction that I want to go in, and I'm gonna offer grace to it, but, that doesn't necessarily mean going back, but mm-hmm. that um, can totally mean using your words for good mm-hmm. is what I've learned in the past couple of months. Yeah. So it's been really sweet and tender and awesome. And I love sharing my story with people um, just because I, I hear a lot about um, testimony and I guess I, I didn't really find myself in any of them. Um, and... I think, like, you either walk a line of loving God or hating Christians, and I have walked both of them. And Mm -hmm. I think, like, it's a dangerous, like, kind of like a scary game to be like, oh, I hated Christians, I hate Christians, this and that, I hate God or whatever. Um, But it was true. Like, I really hated all of it, and I'm just going to be transparent and honest. I didn't want to have anything to do with it. Um, And now it's really defined my life and, and shaped it for good and it's shown me like a lot about and I think even if you have the best parents in the world like they're never gonna love you the same way that God does Mm -hmm. um and so learning that I don't have like a stable parent but I have the best dad in the world ever so it's like I just I don't know it's just really 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 sweet the way that he has transformed my life in a way that I wouldn't have wanted to like, I logistically, I would have never ended up following God, and I would have never ended up wanting to be here, and I would have never ended up stepping down and wanting to say, like, actually, I kind of want to use my words for gentleness, and I want to offer, like, forgiveness for the people who have wronged me is not something that mm. is just, like, I'm going to wake up and I'm going to forgive everybody. Like, it's yeah. just, it's something that you really, really, really have to be taught, mm-hmm. um, and I didn't know that until I opened up the Bible. Wow. What a testimony. <laughs> And it's been, honestly, one of the craziest things in my life. Really? It because you don't really get to see, I don't know, at least for me, I haven't seen people change so drastically. Yeah, and especially, like, I remember the first day that I came back from visiting the college and being saved, 
and we were sitting in English class, and I turned around, and I was like, Lily Pluniak, it's real. It and I happened. was like, all of it is real. I was like, you have no idea. And you, and I think you started tearing up, and you were like, Mel, what are you talking about? And I was like, Lily, I hated you, and I hated God, and I just came back from, like, n- being able to talk to somebody who has told me everything about myself without knowing any of it. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was like, it's so real, and I was like, I love Jesus, and I was messaging all my friends, and I was like, I messaged um, Kate Ford, mm-hmm. um, and all the people who I had gone to, like, Bible studies with sometimes just so I can go for the charcuterie boards and to meet everybody (laughs) and talk with them and stuff and I would be silent for the Bible study and I messaged all of them and I was like guys I don't know if you knew this or not but it's real it's like he's real I was like he's really real like Uh I I I, I don't know why I'm the one to tell you but yeah um but it's it's so real and I was like thank you so much for showing him to me and um being my friend even though I didn't like, I, I didn't want to have anything to do with you. So. For you, what would you tell someone who currently is in a place where they just hate God? I think I would probably just say to, um, I've heard, I heard a really good sermon the other day, and he said that, um, the pastor said that <laughs> we tend to kind of look at god and look at the bible and we say like this is who i am and i'm stuck as this person like this is who i am and that's it and that must be what the bible is but it's actually the complete opposite it's like if you just totally like wipe yourself off blank slate like clean canvas and then you look at the bible and you say this is what the bible says that i am with an open heart then it actually really changes who you are and I was like oh this is who I am I'm just stuck here um I put all these labels on myself which were true but I was really like blaming like all this mental illness and whatever and it really puts you in a place where you're just stuck like it's like oh well all these things are chemically wrong with me and that's what that's it and so um so uh I was kind of in a fixated place where I was like this is who I am so this is what the bible must be or this is what the world must be but it's actually the the complete opposite and it's easy to feel like looking through your own eyes because that's all that we see um but also like there's an ant walking on the ground somewhere looking up at the sky and thinking like there's no way that's real or looking up at a tree and being like there's no way this is real Mm -hmm. and it's like a little bit silly to think about but it's like looking up at like a a big kid and, and and he's like He's like, there's no way that child has real thoughts and is really doing this or whatever because it's too big for us to even imagine, you know? Mm-hmm. And so it's like, in the same way that, like, kind of like an ant is, like, carrying food or has an orange dropped on the sidewalk or a parking lot and thinks that it's something, like, tremendously great that happens, there's something always going mm-hmm. on underneath it. There's, like, where we're standing right now, there's stuff that's happened, like, years and years and years before us and there's stuff that's going to happen years and years ahead of us um and we have no mm-hmm. idea the way that the world works but yeah. it's not it's not in a way that's going to kill you you know mm-hmm. i saw something the other day of some video where a guy he was talking about time and how like time is just a crazy thought i yeah. don't know yeah it is it kind of makes my mind like explode yeah but he was like, God is outside time. God made time. Yeah. Yet God chose for us to be who he dwells with. 
and mm-hmm. dwells in. Yeah. And I was like, that's crazy to think about. Like, in all time, all history, he's, like, coming inside of time to mm-hmm. be with us. Mm-hmm. I don't know. It's just yeah. crazy. Because, yeah. like you said, we don't we don't know the mysteries of the world. Yeah. We don't know all these. There's so many questions we have. So yeah. many things. And, and I think we like, won't know it. I think also we'll be inclined to, like, think, like, this happened this is bad like I've had a lot of tragedy in my family both of my um cousins who I've been like who I grew up being closest to have died by suicide and it's so like tragic the way that it happened one passed away and um she like left what happened and something that my mother said to her in the note and she put me in the note and it was just such a like open like I don't know it was like an abrupt kind of ending that was like that this is what the ending of somebody's life can be and it's like that like somebody spent their last moments thinking about something that happened 10 years ago that I've forgotten about but now I remember it because they remembered it and they carried it with them all this Mm -hmm. time and um I think when you pick out moments like that um that are so heavy and that don't make sense and it's like my lineage all looks like that especially like being in a in a family that's kind of cut themselves cut themselves off of like my dad has cut himself off from his family my mom like immigrated here but I've cut myself off from her it's like like it's just the three of us so it's like you um kind of like I want to find myself in my ancestors I want to find myself and say like that's my aunt she looks like me but like a lot of my family members have a history of like prostitution or owning the most famous bars and in the cities or like dying by suicide tragically or stealing or like even like indirectly like killing people and it's just like really really dark and I think I'm coming from that history and I really looked at the world from that lens and I'm like this is all that the world is and this is the world like what the world has to offer mm-hmm. because it's happening to me um but I think, and I think we've all had these moments where you're kind of like, you take like an impulsive decision and you're like, I can do anything that I want with my life. Do you ever have those? Mm-hmm. I remember for my 18th birthday, I dressed up in a, a blow up outfit and we went to so Walmart. Yeah. <laughs> my friends and I, we went to Walmart um, in these animal blow up suits. And I just remember being like, oh, like I can do whatever I want with my... Like, you can shave your head if you want to right now. You can cut your nose off and not have a nose for the rest of your life. And it's, like, you kind of get in these little, like, rabbit holes of, like, this is all that the world is. This is all that I'm going to have. This is um, everything that I have to look forward to. And it's such a lie. Like, it's not true at all. Um, And it's really, really hard to get to that place where you're, like, oh, I know that this is... Like, I can be able to take a step back and look at it from, like, a bird's eye view and say, like, oh, this is, like, I know that this is deceiving me. But when you're, like, knee-deep in it, like, I spent 17 years hating God and hating Christians and not wanting anything to have to do with them. Mm. Um, And um, I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, I have another question for you. Kind of switching the topic, but... You guys probably have pieced it together. Mel is an artist. She's a poet. True. Writer. She makes physical art. True. She just is a piece of art as herself. But True. before you became a Christian, that was very much, I would say, your identity. Would you say yeah, that? Yeah, I think so too. That's what you would tell people when you met them. That yeah. was what you talked about. And so yeah. after becoming a Christian, 
there's obviously been a shift in what you've written about, yeah, what you've made art about, but absolutely. for you, can you pinpoint just some changes as an artist and a yeah. very creative person? Yeah. Uh, as soon as I became Youth Poet Laureate, and I'm not, this is not, I'm not dissing anything about the program. This is all who I am, and this is what happens when I get put in a speaker's position. This is nothing, this has nothing to do with Youth Poet Laureate as a role, but um, as soon as I became Youth Poet Laureate, I was like, I'm just going to tell everybody everything that happened to me and I think like when you're in a place that's like I wasn't really sure if what I went through was bad which is so crazy because um like seeing the reaction on people's faces where I tell them that that I wasn't given the necessities that I needed to thrive is like bizarre sometimes but I just thought it was normal and I thought that I well I thought that I deserved it too and so I had kind of been like shut up for 14 years and then I'd been given a microphone and thousands of people like so many people who were following me and um I would go out and throw the most intimate details about what I went through just to get a reaction and people would come up to me and they're like I can't believe that you went through that or kind of like satisfied and comforted because I was like other people think that this is wrong too but um even like I don't know like all of those experiences I was just like really throwing myself out there and um since I was and it's because I was like a glass that hadn't even been filled yet you know I didn't even have anything in me I just wanted to be full from Mm -hmm. um other people who were telling me what I wanted to hear and um after that after I was saved I hadn't written poetry for a while because a lot of it was a lot of complaints and a lot of it was a lot of trying to get a reaction um but after I was saved it was like so comforting to say that I'm satisfied and like in God and what he says about me Mm -hmm. and that's it and saying like no poem that I write about what I went through or um nothing that I say out loud in front of thousands of people is going to change what he thinks of me Mm -hmm. like and it and it I could, that was just the most fulfilling thing that I could have had to um, to think that I didn't have to do anything for God to love me and that he had already heard all of it. He had already seen all of it. He mm. wept with me when I went through all of it. And I don't have to put it in a metaphor and put it out on a silver plate and say, like, this is what I went through. Now you have to react to it. Um, it he just knows everything. Mm. And he was with me through all of it. Um, and that was really, really, really safe and a really, really great, um, kind of reminder that there was no poem in the world that I could have written that would, um, make him love me even more. Yeah, I did write one poem about God and it was just wild. I have it on my phone. I can find it. (laughs) I want to hear it. Okay, Mel, now that we're laying on the ground, we're relaxed. Hit us with your poem. Okay. Mm -mm -mm. It is titled... A lot of people really hate it when you talk about, like, what the poetry is about before you say the poem, but it's about God, so. Uh, um, contacts. Yeah. Contacts. Contacts. Uh, contacts. contacts. <laughs> and it's titled The Seventh Day. It is Sunday, and I am standing shoulder to shoulder in a crowd saturated and unfamiliar, and I thank the knot in my stomach for deciding to stay home. I huddle close to the girl I walked in with and watch the couple in front of us unlock hands just so they can lift them up towards the light and worship. My friend has her eyes closed, chin lifted, palms open, lips moving quietly, and I hope the one she is praying to can hear how thankful she is, and I hope he knows I still haven't counted how many exit doors are in here, 
and I hope he knows my open palms do not want to cover my ears anymore, and I hope he knows I made it out, and I hope he knows I made it in, and I hope he sees the possum in me, belly up, breathing deeply, and I hope he knows it isn't playing dead, but just learning what it means to rest. To be fostered as a child of something greater is to feel the spinning coin in my stomach finally land on its back. It is not the break of thunder or the rattling of hollow bones, but the stillness in looking up and believing. The grateful possum lying on its spine with its rib cage sprung open like a bear trap. The two children in the church rocking back and forth with the veins in our belly-up forearms lifted towards the sky. Don't ask me what the definition of home is just yet, but I think I'm on to something. So good. Mel, do you have any last things that you just want to say? I love sharks. (laughs) (laughs) And with that, this episode comes to an end. Thank you for joining us. Jesus loves you also. He loves you. And I think I'm going to title this episode From Hate to Love because yes let's do it let's do it he's changed that's so good from hate to love yeah and and i just love her yeah and i love you today i met her when i thought she was way out of me let's high five do you want to close with a beatbox lil plue is out (laughs) and i really want to get some ice cream tonight what about you true um young mel out it would be really nice oh done (laughs) Bye. (laughs) Join us next time. Bye.